0: Hello and welcome to episode 653 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this evening. My name is Terence M. Stanton. We are recording on Friday, September 15th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with St. Alphonsus Liguri's prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain love towards her and Jesus Christ. And while we're on the subject of St. Alphonsus, I can recommend the book, St. Alphonsus for the 21st Century, a handbook for holiness by Stephen, and I'm not sure how his last name is pronounced, but it's spelled K-O-K-X. Just starting to get into that and enjoying it very much. So once again, St. Alphonsus for the 21st Century, a handbook for holiness by Stephen K-O-K-X is the last name. It was just published last month. O Mary, I already know that thou art the most noble, the most sublime, the most pure, the most beautiful, the most benign, the most holy, in a word, the most amiable of all creatures. O that all knew thee, my lady, and loved thee as thou dost merit. But I am consoled when I remember that in heaven and on earth there are so many happy souls who live enamored of thy goodness and beauty. Above all, I rejoice that God himself loves thee alone more than he loves all men and angels together. My most amiable queen, I, a miserable sinner, love thee also, but I love thee too little. I desire a greater and more tender love towards thee, and this thou must obtain for me, since to love thee is a great mark of predestination, and a grace which God only grants to those whom he will save. I see also, my mother, that I am indeed under great obligations. To thy son I see that he merits infinite love. Thou, who desirest nothing else but to see him loved, hast to obtain me this grace above all others. Obtain me great love for Jesus Christ. Thou obtainest all that thou willest from God. Ah, then be graciously pleased to obtain me the grace to be so united to the divine will that I may never more be separated from it. I do not ask of thee earthly goods, honors, or riches. I ask thee for that which thy heart desires most for me. I wish to love my God. Is it possible that thou refusest to second this my desire which is so pleasing to thee? Ah, no, thou already helpest me. Already thou prayest for me. Pray, pray, and cease not to pray until thou seest me safe in heaven beyond the possibility of evermore losing my Lord and certain to love him forever together with thee, my dearest mother. Today, friends, it is the Feast of the Seven Sorrows, the Blessed Virgin Mary. I was blessed to be able to get to Eucharistic adoration today. Let's check out this article together from fisheaters.com, an excellent Traditional Catholic website. Earlier in the year, on the Friday before Good Friday, we had our first Feast of the Seven Sorrows of Mary. With that feast, we focused on Mary's pain as she watched her son go through his passion. On September's Feast of the Seven Sorrows, we meditate on the seven sorrows representative of the suffering she endured throughout her earthly life as the Mother of Christ. Those seven sorrows are. The circumcision and prophecy of Simeon, the flight into Egypt, the loss of Jesus in the temple, the meeting of Jesus and Mary on the way of the cross, the crucifixion, the taking down of the body of Jesus from the cross, Jesus is laid in the tomb. These seven sorrows are often represented in art by a sword, or three or seven swords, piercing Mary's heart. This relates to the prophecy of the old man Simeon we heard about at Christmas, When, after Our Lady presented the child Jesus at the temple, he told her, Behold, this child is set for the fall and for the resurrection of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be contradicted, and thy own soul a sword shall pierce, that out of many hearts thoughts may be revealed. Customs. In preparation for this feast, Many pray the Novena in honor of the Dolors of the Blessed Virgin, starting on September 6 and ending on September 14, the eve of this feast. For the feast itself, the Chaplet of the Seven Sorrows, also known as the Servite Rosary, or at the Litany to Our Lady of Seven Sorrows, would be perfect, as would this prayer by St. Bonaventure. O Most Holy Virgin, Mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the overwhelming grief you experience when you witness the martyrdom, the crucifixion, and the death of your Divine Son, Look upon me with eyes of compassion and awaken in my heart a tender commiseration for those sufferings, as well as a sincere detestation of my sins, in order that being disengaged from all undue affection for the passing joys of this earth, I may sigh after the eternal Jerusalem and that henceforward all my thoughts and all my actions may be directed towards this one most desirable object, the honor, glory, and love to our divine Lord Jesus, and to you, the Holy and Immaculate Mother of God. Amen. Note that the entire month of September is dedicated to the seven sorrows, or Dolors, of Mary. For musical inspiration, consider Or che Tempo de Dormira from Curtio Pre- Precipitato at Altri Caprici Libro Secundo, Opus 13, written in 1638 by Tarquino Marullo. It's a lullaby with a hypnotic, gently rocking two-note bass line and a haunting minor key, and it is sung by Mary to her son when he was a baby. It reminds us that his fate was known to her all along. She was not only familiar with Old Testament prophecies, but as she heard what Simeon had to say when she redeemed Christ at the temple, which we recall on Candlemas, as St. Alphonsus Liguori writes in the section on Mary's Dolors and the glories of Mary, Another book I can highly recommend, which section you can read in full below. And if you go to the fish com website, you can read that in full. But in part, it says the affected mother, knowing all that her son would have to suffer when suckling him thought of the gall and vinegar, when she swathed him of the cords with which he was to be bound, when she bore him in her arms, she thought of him being nailed to the cross. And when he slept, she thought of his death as often as she put on him his clothes, she reflected that they would one day be torn from him, that he might be crucified. And when she beheld his sacred hands and feet and thought of the nails that were to pierce them, as Mary said to St. Bridget, my eyes filled with tears and my heart was tortured with grief. This song captures that reality perfectly. It is a very strange song, one that sounds as if it had been written in the 20th century, perhaps for the soundtrack of a Kubrick film, And it is deeply moving with heartbreaking lyrics that make very real in the listener's mind the suffering Our Lady endured. And you can check out that link and that song. Once again, at fisheaters.com, the lyrics are, Now that it's time to sleep, sleep, son, and don't cry. For the time will come soon enough when crying is needed. Oh, my dearest, my heart, lullaby and sleep now. Close those divine eyes as other babies do, for soon a dark veil will deprive the sky of light. Oh, my dearest, my heart, lullaby and sleep now. Or take this milk from my immaculate breasts, for a cruel magistrate is preparing vinegar and gall for you. Oh, my dearest, my heart, lullaby and sleep now. My love, let this breast be now a soft bed for you. Before, with a loud voice, you give your soul to the Father on the cross. Oh, my dearest, my heart, lullaby and sleep now. Rest now your beautiful small limbs, so charming and delicate, for later irons and chains will cause them bitter pains. Oh, my dearest, my heart, lullaby and sleep now. These hands and feet, which now you behold with zest and joy, alas, in how many ways, will sharp nails pierce them. This graceful face, ruddier than a rose, spitting and slaps will defile it, with torture and great suffering. Ah, with how much pain for you, O oh, only hope of my heart, this head and this brow, Will be pierced by sharp thorns. For in this divine breast, O my sweet and delightful love, an impious, traitorous spear will make a mortal wound. Sleep therefore, my son, sleep then, my Savior, for later, with joyful faces, we'll see each other in paradise. Now that you are sleeping, O my life, O complete joy of my heart, let all be quiet with pure zeal, even the earth and the heavens. Meanwhile, what shall I do? I will watch my dear not letting my head bow as long as my baby sleeps. In some places, the Via matris, the way of the mother, like the Via Crucis, the way of the cross, may be found with seven stations at which one may see artistic representations of and meditate on each of Mary's sorrows. Such a devotion can be made in one's Mary garden or home if it isn't publicly available, or you can meditate on Our Lady's sorrows. The readings are by Donald Fance of Angelus Magazine. We Matris, The First Sorrow, The Circumcision, and Simeon's Prophecy. Every life has elements of mixed joy and sorrow. Certainly Mary and Joseph are filled with joy as they travel the day's journey from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to offer Mary's firstborn to the service of his father. According to Jewish custom, they ransomed him back by offering Two turtle doves as sacrifices to Almighty God. The joy of Mary seems to overflow as the aged Simeon receives her in the temple and taking the child from her arms looks heavenward with praise to the Almighty for sparing him until he saw the salvation prepared before the faces of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for Thy people Israel. From the height of her joy, Mary's heart suddenly sinks as Simeon glances first to the child then straight into her eyes. This child is set for the rise and the fall of many, a sign of contradiction. Thine own soul a sword shall pierce. Mary knows that her son is to suffer. She knows that he will be lifted up. Simeon makes it painfully clear as he reminds her of her son's mission. She pondered these things in her heart. O Mary, help me to understand the purpose of suffering in my life. Second Sorrow, The Flight into Egypt. After returning to Bethlehem, the Holy Family is visited by the Magi. Shortly after their departure, Joseph is warned by an angel to take the child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Already, jealous Herod's soldiers seek the child. Joseph and Mary hurry a few blocks from their temporary home to a nearby cave, where Mary nurses her babe in what has since become known to the local people as the Milk Grotto. As they continue their journey out of town and head towards the Egyptian border, The terrible sounds of the slaughter ring in Mary's ears. Even Rachel mourns from her grave the innocence of Bethlehem. Mary wonders, is this to be his time at this age? The only alternative is to flee quickly to the unfriendly Egyptians, the former captors of her people. Is it possible that only the Sphinx looks down in silent approval as they pass into Pharaoh's land? Jeremiah the prophet speaks for Mary. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears upon her cheeks, with not one to console her of all her dear ones, her friends have all betrayed her and become her enemies. Look, O Lord, upon my distress. All within me is ferment, My heart recoils within me from my monstrous rebellion. In the streets, the sword bereaves. At home, death stalks. Give heed to my groaning. There is no one to console me. And yet, through this trial, Mary still has Emmanuel with her. She knows that all will be accomplished in God's time. This gives her the security of peace in her sorrow. The scripture will be fulfilled. I have called my son out of Egypt that salvation may come to Israel. O Mary, help me to stay close to your divine son when I feel most abandoned. Third sorrow, the loss of Jesus. Again, the joy of traveling, this time for several days, from Nazareth to the temple in Jerusalem for the great feast. There were a spe- These were especially happy times for Mary, reunited with her own people, living with Jesus and Joseph. The feast ends. The return to Nazareth commences in the early morning. The caravan of women moves ahead north of the holy city. The men follow in their caravan. They sing psalms praising God, exchange news and laughter as the trip progresses. Both groups meet in their encampment at the end of the day. As night falls, Mary and Joseph find each other and realize with horror that Christ is not in their company. They search through both camps to no avail. Have you seen him? He is only 12 years old. Each time the reply is negative. Mary remembers the words of Simeon and the lamentations of Jeremiah the prophet. The Lord has done as he decreed. He has fulfilled the threat he set forth from days of old. He has destroyed and had no pity, letting the enemy gloat over you and exalting the horn of your foes. Cry out to the Lord. Moan, O daughter of Zion. Let your tears flow like a torrent day and night. Let there be no respite for you, no repose for your eyes. Mary feels terror and panic. This must be his hour, she thinks. In his boyhood hurts, even in the flight to Egypt, Jesus was with her. Now, for the first time, he is gone. Nonetheless, she knows that the Eternal Father knows all things, and this gives her peace. Her confidence is rewarded three days later when she and Joseph find Jesus in the midst of the doctors, in the temple. O Mary, help me to keep peace of soul even when searching for Jesus in my life. Fourth sorrow, Mary meets Jesus on the road to Calvary. It is coming soon. She senses that now. The Pharisees have become increasingly resentful towards him. She is praying over these things when the knock comes at the door. They have taken him. They have taken him. She wraps her veil tightly around her face and runs into the night with her friend. They reach Caiaphas' house in time to see Jesus pushed up the steps. She overhears Peter. I know not the man. She meets John, who leads her towards the praetorium of Pilate. She waits through the night as her po- reports are brought to her of Jesus' scourging. Once again, Simeon's words thrust at her as so many arrows. She prays the psalm. My heart has become like wax melting away within my bosom. The long night passes into gray dawn and still she keeps her visual. Then she hears Pilate's words to the crowd from the arch. Behold the man. She can scarcely recognize him as the crowd roars for his death. He does not see her yet. She wants it that way, to spare him the pain. She sees the rough cross timber dragged to a point below the arch. She watches the soldiers laughingly lead her son to the cross. He can scarcely walk. He stumbles, he falls, he opens up more wounds. As if that were possible, she sees the seamless robe she has woven for him years ago, now a mass of blood and flesh. Clinging to his body, his face is misshapen and swollen. She cannot move. He is pushed forward by the soldiers. He walks a few more feet and then he sees her. Mary does not restrain herself. She kisses him softly through her tears and reminds him of her love for him. Their looks become his swords to wound those hearts which loved each other so tenderly. O Mother of God, teach me to behold Jesus in his sorrows when I am most tempted to sin. Fifth sorrow, Mary sees Jesus die on the cross. Yes, truly, O blessed Mother, the sword pierced your soul. Only by passing through your soul could it penetrate to the body of your son. When Jesus, your son, had given up his spirit, when the cruel spear which pierced his side could no longer touch his soul, it transfixed to yours. His soul was no longer there. Yours was. It could not be torn away. We call you more than martyr because your love, which made you suffer with your son, brought pain of soul far more exquisite than any pain of body. Woman, behold thy son. How keenly those words must have pierced your loving soul. Mere remembrance of them can wring with sorrow our hard, steely hearts. Do not wonder, my brethren, that Mary is said to be martyred in spirit. Want of affection was far from Mary's heart. Oh, may it be equally far from those of her servants. Christ died in body. Could she not die with him in her heart? His death was brought about by a love greater than any man has, hers by a love no other mortal ever had except she, from the Sermon of St. Bernard on the Twelve Stars. Through you, O virgin mother, may we draw the waters of salvation out of the wounds of Christ. Sixth sorrow, Mary receives Jesus' body into her arms. Joseph of Arimathea requested the body of Jesus, which he took down from the cross, and his mother received it into her arms. The sorrowing mother took her dead son and laid him on her knees. What a sea of tears and sorrow! Did the soul of Mary toss to and fro upon its billows? While she wept her bitter loss, in her arms her Jesus holding, torn so newly from the cross, O oh, that mournful virgin mother, see her tears how fast they flow, down upon his mangled body, wounded sign and thorny brow, while his hands and feet she kisses, picture of a mortal woe, oft and oft his arms and bosom, Fondly straining to her own, off her pallid lips imprinting on each wound of her dear son, till in one last kiss of anguish all her melting soul is gone. Gentle mother, we beseech thee, by thy tears and troubles sore, by the death of thy dear offspring, by the bloody wounds he bore, touch our hearts with true sorrow which afflicted thee of yore. O Mary, help me to stand beside the cross with you, whose soul the sword of sorrow Has pierced. Seventh sorrow, Mary places Jesus' body in the tomb. They place Jesus' body on a slab and quickly anoint it. From there, they carry it to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. There, once again, Mary arranges the folds of the winding sheet with her own hands. The tomb is closed on the mourners' leave. Depart from me, I will weep bitterly. Labor not to comfort me. There is in him no stately bearing to make us look at him nor appearance that would attract us to him. From the sole of the foot to the head, there is no sound spot in him. To what can I liken or compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What example can I show you for your comfort, O virgin daughter of Zion? For great as the sea is your downfall. Yet Mary's deep sorrow did not overshadow her faith in Jesus or her hope in his promise. His death was her hope of resurrection. God of mercy, let us run. Where Jan Fount of sorrow flows, pondering sweetly one by one Jesus' wounds and Mary's woes. Ah, those tears our Lady shed, enough to drown a world of sin, tears that Jesus' sorrows fed. Peace and pardon well may win His five wounds a very home for our prayers and praises. Prove and our Lady's woes become endless joys in heaven above. Jesus, who for us did die, all on Thee our love we pour, and in the Holy Trinity. Worship thee forevermore. Amen. And once again, there are additional readings if you'd like to head over to fisheaters.com from St. Alphonsus, Liguri. And I believe we've gone through several of those um, already on the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Our Lady of the Seven Sorrows, pray for us. My friends, let us once again Mention helping autism through learning and outreach available on the web at halo-soma.org. That's halo-soma.org. Halo-soma.org. Episodes 277 and 548 are interviews, the former conducted by myself, the latter by a gentleman from Word on Fire with my wonderful sister and equally wonderful niece, Brielle. I have two wonderful nieces and goddaughters, Brielle and Kara. whom I love very, very much. They're both highly intelligent, beautiful, creative, good young women, most importantly. And the subject is RPM on that website on um, those interviews. That's the interview topic. Rapid prompting method, a system of communication for non-speakers, just as sign language was a revolutionary way of opening up an avenue of communication because communication is a human right. In that instance, for the deaf, RPM, rapid prompting method, is a revolutionary new way of opening up to communication for non-speakers. Imagine how frustrated you would be if you were unable to speak. My wonderful niece, Brielle, my stunning niece, Brielle, up until she was eight, couldn't communicate. We had to guess at the things she wanted. She couldn't tell us anything. Couldn't tell us her hopes, her dreams, her fears, let alone, you know, what she wanted for breakfast. Tremendously sad, tremendously frustrating situation to be in. I can't even imagine it myself and the perseverance of my niece and so many non-speakers. It's amazing. It's downright inspirational. We need to help these people. RPM is the way to do that. Now, because she can communicate, we know that Brielle is a comprehensive genius who can compose music, who knows foreign languages, who's brilliant in regards to mathematics and a whole host of other things. It would take a long time for me to list all of them, but you get the point. So let's get the word out there. Let's help non speakers. You might know non speakers. You might have non speakers in your family, amongst your friends. Get the word out there. Once again, folks, h a l o hyphen s o m a dot org and tune into episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast because communication is a human right. Thank you so much for listening to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. I'll be back again with you tomorrow. Please tune in. Goodbye and God love you.